What's up, y'all? This is Chitty Bang, and I'm on the Renegade Millionaire Show, the podcast that profiles entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs. Join us as we go one-on-one inside the hearts and minds of some of our generation's best and brightest. And now, introducing your host, my friend, Sun Group Wealth Partners Managing Director, CNBC and Forbes.com contributor, Winnie Sun. Welcome to the Renegade Millionaire Show, broadcasting from TuneIn Studios in Venice Beach. I'm Winnie Sun, your host, founder of Sun Group Wealth Partners, a financial planning firm. Take a moment to follow me on social media, follow me on CNBC as a market commenter, and catch my posts now on Forbes.com. And most importantly, if you have questions pertaining to your own portfolio, don't be shy about reaching out. I'd love to hear from you. So what's going on with the markets today? There's still lots of talk about Greek, the Greek exit, the Greket, and we are hearing more information out there about China and, of course, the U.S. markets, areas that we still love, technology. And most importantly, you know, we are hearing some information from the Fed today about where interest rates are going, and some experts expect that rates will start changing in June. And aside from that, let's go ahead and get into the show. As an experienced financial advisor, I have had the opportunity to meet some really incredible people in the news industry. I have managed money for several employees of the LA Times for over a decade. In addition to working with journalists as clients, I've also been interviewed extensively by the media. And this is how I met my friend and our guest today. In the studios is Anne Marsh. Anne is Senior Editor and West Coast Bureau Chief of Financial Planning Magazine. She's also the Chair of the magazine's conference series, Women Advisors Forum. Prior to joining financial planning in the late 2011, Anne wrote a popular personal finance column for the LA Times for more than five years. In fact, that's one that I follow very intensively. I love that, right? Yeah, thank you. Along with being a co-author of several books, Anne has been also a former longtime staff member with Forbes magazine, and her work has appeared in dozens of publications and websites, including the New York Times, Fast Company, O, the Oprah magazine, and her alumni magazine, Stanford magazine. So we've known each other for a number of years, right, Anne? That means, in fact, um, you've actually interviewed me several times for the financial planning industry. So I can honestly say, at least from my standpoint, the first time we met we clicked I would agree yeah (laughs) (laughs) thank you um I guess one of the things I absolutely want to get in today is the story behind your I guess your current passion and you're exposing the critical financial planning needs of our uh, beloved U.S. military yeah that's right yeah her piece uh, which was published in financial planning magazine has gotten a lot of attention um, so, Anne, thank you and welcome for, and thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's really <laughs> nice to be here. Thank you. I faithfully followed your stories on social and um, the financial planning website for several, several months now. And so can you tell us a little bit, I'm, I'm just so curious to see your inspiration. Like there's always a beginning to the story. So how did this topic catch your eye? Yeah, it was a surprising uh, genesis to this piece because uh, we don't cover the military, obviously, at Financial Planning Magazine. 
But uh, we did decide to um, give an award, a series of awards to planners who were doing incredible things on a pro bono basis for people in need. And as it turns out, a lot of our service members and veterans are in a lot of financial need. And so in the, it was in the process of reporting that that I found this planner who um, – you know, really told me she had done some life-saving work with these soldiers. And when I went and talked to this one Army sergeant in particular, I, I found that was entirely true. He was very open about saying that um, he was planning to take his life within two days. Is this uh, Sergeant S Stevens? Correct, yes. Sergeant, Army Sergeant, former Army Sergeant uh, Angelo Stevens. He's now a veteran. And he was active duty when he started working with Jan Chapman, who's a former Raymond James advisor who has been uh, working now under military contract on and off for years. And um, it was during a session on the base at the Army Community Services Center there that um, she overheard a conversation that uh, Sergeant Stevens had with another planner in which he confessed to having in excess of $100,000 in debt and a couple of critically ill children and really expressed his need for help. And instead of getting help, what he got from this other planner was a very shaming lecture in which, um, you know, he uh, was told how you need to set a better example for the people under your command, for the men and women under your command. And, um, he left after just a few moments, mm -hmm. and, it, and my research later showed that almost all the meetings that military planners have with soldiers and veterans last less than 15 minutes. I know. I read that. I was yeah. shocked to see that. I mean, as a financial advisor myself, we learned early in our career just how important the financial plan was almost like the heart yes. of the relationship with the client. And it's like for us, at least for our clients, we've always decided— We've always made a conscious decision to offer that for free for every client. Yeah. So how, why is it that the military feels so differently about this? It's a great question. It, part of it is that there's been a history of abuse where people would come onto base and sell men and women in our military inappropriate financial products. They take advantage of them, essentially. Like seniors. Yeah. Or um, just any even young, uh, young uh, soldiers who don't have a lot of experience with money at all. In mm -hmm. fact, they're getting their first big paycheck or what looks to them like a good paycheck, and they're only 18. Right. And then someone will come in and sell them a car at, you know, a huge APR, and it's a convertible, something they can't afford. And, and that's actually a very common type of an example. But it's also whole, ter whole life insurance policies. Things are just really inappropriate. Mm -hmm. So for that reason, and so I think there, there's a good impetus behind the military's drive to protect its service members and veterans from any predation. However, what they've said is you can only provide education. So what often is delivered to these men and women is something cursory. It's very short. It can be delivered in, as a lecture, which can be very shaming. It can be really counterproductive. So Jan Chapman, overhearing this really uh, shaming uh, inter interview that uh, Sergeant Stevens had with another planner, she sensed that he was, as she put it, one step off the planet. And she went running after him. It was just an intuitive thing. And she offered to help him after hours. And it turns out, and she did on her in her free time and basically spent, you know, roughly you know, somewhere between 40 and 60 hours helping him and helped him resolve a lot of his debts, like negotiate his credit with his creditors and then helped guide him towards bankruptcy on the rest. And he credits her with saving his life. Mm. And so it's a, it's a wonderful story, but it's also a really hard story because so many other men and women who are in desperate financial straits, um, 
in the military and veterans are getting this help. And it turns out Jan Chapman was fired. The military contractor under which she worked fired her specifically for doing this work. She did it on her free time, but it was considered out of scope of contract right. because she leapt in to help. She didn't decide, we're just going to give you some kind of brief educational <laughs> talk. 15-minute yeah. talk. Yeah. She's like, we're going to get in the trenches. And she did. Well, can I guess can military professionals go out of of the typical military financial planner? They can go to people like 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 our team or another group yes. and and reach out. But it's just that this is convenient, so it's like that's accessible and they they trust. So therefore, it should be a little a little bit more broad. Right. right? It should, you would think that it would be more that the military would not only allow but encourage planners, especially when they identify men and women who are really having financial problems, allow them to leap in and really help. But yeah. if you look at the people that the military is losing due to financial problems, it's in the tens of thousands every year. I maybe 50, It's over 50,000, I think, people who lose their jobs every year due to um, indebtedness and other financial problems. And... Um, so there's a lot of need for this kind of intervention. And the military does. That's the interesting thing. The military recognizes it enough that they have planners. They have hundreds of planners nationwide and worldwide to help these men and women. But the, the advice just isn't broad enough. Yeah, it's not. And they, they, are, they will be fired if they do this kind of in-depth work. And we did find another planner who we didn't name because she didn't want to have any other legal repercussions. But she was fired as well for going above and beyond just because she realized the need was so great. That was in another part of the country. Oh, how sad. Yeah. Oh, it's my It's very goodness. sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting you see that. I mean, I'm just thinking now because so where we're located in SoCal, we are only goodness about half an hour to 40 minutes from the San Diego base correct and we have a lot of military professionals come to us for exactly what you're defining I mean not traditional wealth management per se but a lot of it's dealing with debt and how how to get out of that debt as they come back into the civilian workforce right and they have a lot of struggles but I didn't I actually didn't realize just the magnitude of this until I read your piece because you also talk about something called kind of a five hundred thousand dollars piece of insurance I thought that was interesting can you share a little bit sure and this was something that was really striking that I learned over the course of my reporting which is that everybody who's active duty and who commits suicide immediately triggers a $400,000 life insurance payout to their survivors. And then on top of that, if they're active duty, they get a $100,000 death benefit. So it's a half a million dollars. And, you know, I think there are really some questions that need to be raised about whether, with all good intentions, these payouts are incentivizing some of these deaths. There have been studies that have been done. I did not mention this in my story, but in Australia and in Japan that it showed that when the uh, waiting periods were extended after life insurance payouts, uh, they were, you know, suicide rates dropped actually because it's, it's possible that people are seeking, you know, that temporary solution, you know, a permanent solution to a temporary problem, uh, unfortunately. And it is tricky because I think nobody would want to deny survivors needed um, financial support and the loss of their possibly sole income providing loved one. But you have to balance that against the fact that in the military, the culture is a death before dishonor culture. And there are things that are worse than death in amongst members of the military. And it's such a shaming experience to not be able to provide for your 
your family, like about a third of the men and women who have been killing themselves, at least up through 2012, a third. Have, have small kids at home. Oh, my goodness. So, it's pr- so they feel like in order to serve the role of a caregiver, the easier route is just to take their own life. We don't know that, right? No one can conduct that study because you can't. They are, the people who've taken made that choice are gone. They can't answer. So we can only make some educated guesses. And, of course, by looking at studies in other countries showing that, in fact, insurance payouts do have some impact on suicide rates, I think it's worth looking at. I think it's difficult to look at because you know as well as anybody, <laughs> whether it's in the military or in somebody's family, people don't like to talk about money. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable. It is. You know? It is. So it's like going to the dentist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But even worse. But even more so, right? Yeah, because, even worse. I mean, you come out of the military and you, your way of life completely changes, and now you have to deal with talking about money and all that. Oftentimes, talking about debt, and nobody feels comfortable. That's correct. Yeah, right? it's like talking about your. I mean, it's even worse than talking about your credit score. Yeah. So. One other important point I should mention is that we found that it was upwards of eighty-five percent of the men and women who uh, killed themselves who are active duty. In 2012, that's the last year that we've got, like, you know, complete data, um, more than 85% of them had never seen combat, and about half of them had never even deployed. I thought that was fascinating. I read that in your piece. Yeah, and so that's a real, another facet that needs to be looked at because uh, there is an obvious belief, or I think a commonly held one, that it's lingering combat trauma that's pr- that's pushing this epidemic. And in fact, uh, it may not be the case. It really may be that there are some other factors that are weighing heavily, um, you know, into these decisions that these men and women are making. As uh, you know, there are 22 veterans at a bare minimum. It's probably much more than that who are going to end their lives just today by suicide. And 1.3. Um, you know, uh, it's about three active duty soldiers every two days, so roughly that. And those are uh, the, the active duty figure is is probably low too, because a lot of deaths will not be classified suicide, because sometimes people don't want to have it be known that that's that they mm-hmm. took their life. But the um, the veteran suicide rate we know is very low. It's and then if you add on top of that uh, attempts, you know that any te- depending on different studies, you know attempts are anywhere from 3 to 11 times the number who do die make the attempt. So, you know, it's like well over 100 people today who are right now as we speak probably making a choice, and some will not die and others will. But what if these kinds of financial planning interventions could help? I mean, I think that's the thing that our reporting was really driving at. What if stepped-up, smart, protective um, financial planning interventions that were, you know, of the get in the trenches type could be deployed to help these men and women. Like maybe this, maybe it could be a a helpful factor. Well, obviously um, there's a need because we see that today we have people coming to us all the time. So I think it's just a matter of getting the military comfortable with professional planners who have these service people at the best at heart. You're right. So mm-hmm. this is really why I wanted to bring this story to light because more people should be talking about it. I mean, if you really want to help, this is an easy way for financial advisors like ourselves to take a role. Mm-hmm. And after reading your piece and working with some members of the military, um, I feel like this is a no-brainer. We should do what we can. And um, 
my office for sure. Like, you know, if, if you're listening and, and you need an, a financial plan, you can pretty much call us and we'll make sure it's done pro bono. That, that, I think if everybody read your story, yeah. I think any normal human being with a heart would, would follow suit. You would hope so. I know our magazine editorialized at the time that the piece came out and urged all fiduciary financial planners to to take on at least one active duty or you know soldier or veteran um, pro bono. So you're you're right on the money in terms of what's something that you know could really help mm-hmm. if planners could step into the breach here. Um, the question is, how do you reach members of the military? It can be tough, but it's great that you have people coming in and that you are helping well, them. Things like this will help. Yeah, we'll yeah. reach them through TuneIn Radio. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because then the beauty of TuneIn Radio is that our our military folks can reach and, and, and listen to to broadcasts. Excellent. And I hope you continue to do so. So, I mean, I'm really excited. I mean, I asked you to email me the developments, and this is what I'm really fired about because. And it, this isn't just one of your typical financial planning pieces. I mean, this has become a true passion, you know, of yours. Yeah. And a lot of things have happened. Maybe you can share with us some of the positive. Absolutely, yeah. So some of the positive was that we, well, first off, we decided to write a sidebar where all the planners I interviewed could make recommendations. Look, mm-hmm. you're the people working in the trenches. These are military planners. What do you think the military should do differently? And so they came up with a bunch of recommendations. And within days of the piece coming out, maybe it was a week, um, I got a call from the office of a congressman, um, Representative Rush Holt. He's he's just left office, but he was uh, in New Jersey. And he immediately put together legislation that was based largely on our, you know, on our investigation. And um, and it took a while. It didn't, initially, he couldn't get it to the floor of the House initially, but it, he did, it, ultimately, it passed unanimously. And then in December, um, uh, it was it passed into law as part of the omnibus federal spending bill. Wonderful. So it and it what it does is it actually provides for something that the military has never done, meaning that this suicide epidemic's you know getting long in the tooth. You know we're coming up to a decade, you know we're closing on maybe a decade of su- suicide rates in the military exceeding those of um, the civilian population, whereas historically they've always been less. Um, there's a lot of reasons why that might be, but. Um, the military's never studied, not that we've been able to determine, the financial, the links between financial stressors and the epidemic. And so that's what this legislation does is it funds this kind of study. Good. And um, so I've actually been, you know, just talking to the Pentagon to try to get them to tell me, all right, well, who's going to do it and how, what's <laughs> it going to look like? But so that's a very positive, positive thing. Uh, the frustrating part, of course, being that you'd want these men and women to have this help Yesterday. Yesterday, right. And so I, yeah. I read that you're still waiting to hear back from the Pentagon. Yes, yeah. And, you know, this is an enormous, enormous bureaucracy, so things don't move fast. They do not move fast there. But Well, you've moved them pretty fast. You've moved this far. Well, I mean, I would say the fates did because, you know, <laughs> most journalists, when you write something and, and you think it's something that's going to be impactful, it's not always that it is. So it was just remarkably heartening that um, – Something came out of it that could ultimately be helpful because estimates are we might have a million men and women returning to civilian life over the next five years. I, you know, that projection could change. But as we've learned, it's it's that transition that can be way more life-threatening than even, statistically speaking, uh, the war zone. You know, we had in March of last year at least 700 suicides but zero combat deaths. I mean, this has to change, I think. So, you know? Anna, I find this so interesting from being a financial advisor. You think about it. When companies suddenly close their locations or companies, uh, 
there was a, a big uh, movie studio up north recently that just closed down their entire headquarters. I mean, if you think about it, when that happens, what's the first thing that, that occurs? There's instant panic, like what do you do? Sure. And how are you going to take care of yourself? And what do you do financially? So you take that now, you, you basically multiply that to so many more people who haven't even been working. So they really haven't, well, they have been working, but they haven't really been following their finances up until they come back to civilian life. So it's even more dramatic. Right? Yeah. Well, the some, some of the, I mean, the impact, you know, just as with a company closing down and hopefully in that instance, maybe there's going to be some kind of severance pay for people. Right. And planners are invited in to help. To help mm-hmm. with that. You've been through that, it sounds like. I Have do that, that? Yeah. all the time. Right? Okay. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. That's kind of why we've worked with, um, right. Well, we've worked with, we're working with a, um, a group at, at a movie studio as we speak today. Okay. And that's probably the thing that that helps employees get through this most difficult time mm-hmm. is that they just need someone to talk to sure. and know that they're not the only one and that they're that it's going to be okay. That even if today looks horrible and they're worried if they're going to find their next job or how they're going to pay that next credit card, that just knowing that there's somebody else watching it Correct. Yeah. Gives them that support system. Right. Then, unfortunately, a lot of times a spouse or a loved one can't play that role because really they they fall victim to this overhanging debt. So it's basically yeah. everybody is feeling that pressure versus right. you just need an outside person to just almost Help become that. like like your. I always call it just consider me like your money friend. Mm-hmm. Right. So. So that feeling, that feeling, I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that despair. And I think everybody who's listening would understand. Sure. Because we've always, all of us have been in that point where we just felt like we couldn't get over um, that hurdle. And even more so for these servicemen who've just been in this very dramatic role, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they've been serving our country and they come back to something they're not comfortable with. And then they then meet with a financial planner advisor who is just like you were saying, giving them 15 minutes of financial education. And in some circumstances, judging them is right. is, is very unfortunate. It's right? not going to help, right? It's not going to help. And, you know, you're right. We actually are in a suicide epidemic nationwide. It's not just the military. Right. However, the military, which makes up, the population of you know veterans and active duty military make up about nine percent of the adult U.S. population. Wow! Um, but they account for more than a quarter of the suicides. And so then plus your families and like you said, young children. I mean that yes. number just multiplies. Well, right. You think about the trauma that then reverberates out from every one of these deaths, and you know that traumas of this nature don't even stop at a number of years. They tend to effect for generations people for generations so exactly the children the grandchildren the children grandchildren Mm -hmm. not only are they going to mourn the passing of their family member maybe dad or mom but now how are they their their feelings towards finances and wealth and investing is completely impacted by your elders right that's how Mm -hmm. we learn early financial literacy right so this is like a way bigger impact than even just one generation. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. Well, I am so glad that your voice was heard in that case. I mean, the, the fact that the congressman decided um, to use your investigation as part of legislation 
kudos yeah. to him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's he is by the way Rush Holt was somebody who's been really instrumental in helping to play a leadership role in the Congress to get um, tens of millions of dollars uh, allocated wow. toward to military suicide prevention efforts over the past many years. You know, f- I don't know if it's five or six or seven years, but he's really been impactful. So he's somebody who understands the issue. Was he impacted personally by this issue? You know, I. I didn't ask him that question, and that would have been a great question to ask him. I think it was more that just the logic of it appealed to him. He thought— Just like you. Yeah, no, and to me, like, this is something—and, you know, and by the way, I didn't come at it uh, entirely without context. I did go into the military's own statistics about, you know, these suicides, which they've been collecting now for uh, since 2006, I think, and— um, I have to check that. That might not be right. You might want to scratch that. So the military has been collecting statistics for years now on both suicides and suicide attempts amongst active duty you know, service members. And you see financial stress all over those statistics. They're not necessarily collected in a way that would say 80% of these people had a financial stressor. It's certainly one of the main, it's acknowledged by everybody to be one of the main financial stressors, along with marital, you know, stress, alcoholism, you know, substance abuse, other it makes stressors. Sense. But all, you know, these things, they all compound, right? Mm-hmm. And we but, know this is like the main, one of the major factors of why couples divorce is financial course. stress. So yeah. it makes sense that this would be one of the key reasons. Right. And think about this as one thing I try to do just to try to give people a sense of the kind of stresses these men and women have been under, which is that we've been on a wartime footing now for more than a decade. It's an all-volunteer force. So a lot of people went into the National Guard, and they didn't really think they'd necessarily ever be called up. And then they might have been, you know, had a vision of their lives and making some kind of, you know, well, earning a good salary, maybe a six-figure income. Instead, they've been called up over and over again and earning far less than they thought. And in the middle of this, by the way, comes a recession. People who bought homes, and a lot of people in the military do purchase right. property, will buy home in a neighborhood only to find that they're, that they're ordered. There's no choice for them. They have to move. Can't sell the new home, old home. Have to get a new one. They're supporting two households. You can just imagine the way the, the, the marriages fracture and split over this. And, um, and when those marriages turn bitter, which does happen, unfortunately, with some frequency, often the aggrieved spouse, maybe the, the spouse who's back home, if it is a case where deployment is an issue, will um, maliciously take the credit cards and run them up. So people will come back, even from combat. I don't mean to suggest, by the way, that people who have had combat trauma aren't also impacted by the financial piece because many of them may be disproportionately so because they can come back from a deployment thinking they're going to have a fair amount of um, savings built up because they've had hazard pay only to find that a spouse has run through through that money, run up the cards, and then they get a divorce, and it's that's so true. You so, can you can see how people have become homeless with these kinds of stressors. You know, right? And it's it, really, really a snowball effect. It is, and so I mean, this seems like a this seems like something that a planner should be very knowledgeable about. Not only, I guess, advising or consulting the person who's deployed, but the entire family, and make sure they have that personal financial, I guess, safety structure in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but then how do you do that? It's so, it's so big and broad. I mean, but it's, I'm glad that you're making the first step. That's right. And it ultimately drills down to the individual cases. You know, the people mm-hmm. who've come in and they've looked to you for help 
right there you're making a tremendous difference with those individuals because it's it's actually not only people who are of the lower income grades who are ending their lives. Disproportionately so it's true, but even people who've actually had made a fair amount of money and then had a reversal in civilian life, those people are getting caught in this downdraft as well sometimes. So, But it's great. You can make it's an impact sad. in the work you're doing with these men and women. But Well, hopefully more people listening will will continue to make an impact. Well, in a big congratulations that your investigation has been now recognized for two journalism awards. I'm so happy Thank for you. you. Thank so you. The Folio Award last month for Best Article, and now I hear you're a finalist for the Jesse H. Neal Award, for also for Best Article. Yeah. And, and doing something you love. Just so great. Thank you, Anne Marsh, for sharing with us this very critical, important view of what we as financial planners and advisors can do for our very beloved U.S. military. This is something that we can actually take action on today. So on that note, please note, uh, please reach out to your financial advisor. And if you need any financial advice, of course, we are here for you. And this is an open invitation for any U.S. military out there. Please don't hesitate to reach out, and we will be happy to help you how we can. Our website to learn more about us is www.sungroupwp.com. I would love to hear from you. And Anne, how can they follow you and your new developments? Well, you can follow me on Twitter. I will be putting my stories on uh, Twitter. And uh, my, my handle is, is at Anne, A-N-N underscore Marsh, M-A-R-S-H. So we can hear more about, you know, when the Pentagon responds. Yes. I'll be on pins and needles to yeah, hear that. me too. So Pentagon, if you're listening, please respond. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. If you like this interview, please share our channel with your friends and colleagues. Um, and if you want to hear more about my past and future interviews or articles on Forbes as well as media interviews, please find me on LinkedIn at Winnie Sun. And my Twitter handle is hashtag SungroupWP. And thank you again for tuning in to the Renegade Millionaire Show. And thank you so much for Anne Marsh. Well, thanks for having me. It's been great. <laughs>